0: Hello and welcome to a Christmas special episode for 2022 of the Daily Red podcast. I am your host, Bianca Wiley, arts enthusiast, performer and media creative. You will hear about the most festive Christmas performances gracing Queensland this holiday season and the artists behind the scenes journeys. Sit back, relax, and let's get into it. Today I am joined by Alex Woodward, who is the owner of Woodward Productions and is the producer for A Very Naughty Christmas. Yes, indeed. We're going to be discussing all things A Very Naughty Christmas, so correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the sixth year of A Very Naughty Christmas here in Queensland. How has the show changed, and does it stay relatively similar each
1: year? No, it doesn't. Um, that's a great question. Yeah, six years, oh, my God. <laughs> so we started downstairs at the Brisbane Powerhouse in what was then the Visi Theatre, which is now the Underground Theatre. And when we first started, we actually we tried to make the show have more of a storyline. Like, we thought we needed a storyline, and we thought we needed characters, and we thought... Um, that was the basic structure of the show and over the years we kind of realized that actually no, Um, it was better off as like a comedy concert variety show and instead of worrying about kind of through line and arcs and stuff it was better to focus on kind of just having great performers who are characters in themselves and the arc came through mood changes from songs and skits and stuff like that so every year's a new year.
0: Well it's good because you often have a lot of repeat um, audience guests. I was speaking to someone who actually went up on stage, she played Virgin Mary in The Fables and I spoke to her afterwards I said, how many times have you seen the show? And she said, five times and I'll probably be back next week. So it's good that you keep things fresh, no one wants to see the same thing every year and you know you can always improve and make it better. And how did you initially come up with the idea for the show in the first
1: place? so i i used to have this thing two factors one i think that christmas time is a time when people spend with their families and i always found it quite interesting that to me like i have my immediate family who i love but i also had always had a second family like a group of friends who you know the family you choose in life and i love theater and i have this group of family who i love and i was like oh why is there no kind of crossover like I like Christmas, I love Christmas, why can't I go to a Christmas show that's for me and my friends? Like, everything was very kid-focused, very family-focused. Like, I think when we first put on the show, the only other Christmas shows in town was things like The Nutcracker and, like, Spirit of Christmas, Lord Mayor's Christmas Carols and the Cransky Sisters. That's all there was at the time. And they're all great shows in their own right. It just wasn't really what I was wanting to see Mm. because I don't have kids and etc but then uh, like without talking for forever I I had a group of mates and every year we would get together and do this thing called Friends Christmas and we'd all get dressed up in like dumb outfits and give out really shit presents to each other (laughs) (laughs) and like you'd go to the two dollar shop and you'd buy the worst present you could find Um, and so I wanted to try and capture that essence so I took those ideas to Dan, Dan Vens who is the directorographer, writer of the of the show, one of them I should say and he was the original kind of creator with me and yeah we've both been working on it for six years now which seems kind of wild really yeah.
0: When I was sitting in the audience as you know there's a part where Santa is introduced and he's throwing rappers now at first I thought the rappers were um, lolly rappers. I was very uh, quick to learn that that was not the case. Anyway, <laughs> what do you want the audiences to feel while they watch the show?
1: So like when I produce theatre, I have two types of theatre that I like to produce. Um, one is things that I get like a lot of artistic kind of benefit out of and I really enjoy and and That's one aspect that I like. But then I also like producing theatre, like a commercial producer. I like producing theatre that sells tickets. Um, And to me, this show is kind of like what I describe as gateway theatre. It's like the gateway drug of (laughs) theatre. It lures people in who wouldn't usually step into a theatre space. Um, And that to me is really, really exciting because, you know, there's heaps of theatre companies that already cater to established kind of audiences and demographics who go to theatre on the regular basis but to me the great thing about this show is it will get kind of like john and david and sally or you know who might you know maybe they would go to gigs maybe they'd see bands and stuff but they've never stepped into a theater space before and so you know you'll be in the auditorium after the show like grabbing a drink and you go oh i've never seen a show like this is cool like That, to me, is really exciting because we're growing our arts economy. We're growing our audience. And maybe those people who come see this will then come see one of the plays I put on or one of the musicals I put on. Or maybe they'll go see a a comedy musical at QPAC or something like that. Mm. Um, Yeah.
0: Well, with any industry, you want repeat customers, I suppose. And you certainly do know your audience because you've nailed down that classic Aussie humour which is all about really taking the piss out of someone and I think you really captured the essence of uh taking the piss out of Christmas (laughs) um quite literally but this year Little Birdie told me that you're bringing the show to Sydney isn't it the first year that you're bringing it to Sydney yeah well
1: we were meant to tour the show in 2020 but obviously when COVID came that stuffed that up a little bit so we had planned to go to to Melbourne and then, yeah, it just didn't really work out because the borders were shut. So, <laughs> it's been a long time in the works, and, and we have big plans to take it interstate more and to take it overseas. But, yeah, this is the first year we've actually taken it interstate. it's really exciting. exciting. Yeah.
0: And it started here in Brisbane. You're a Brizzy mm-hmm. boy. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think that it will become a Queensland Christmas tradition, much like the Nutcracker? Yeah, I hope
1: so. I mean, like, gosh, we've been doing it six years, <laughs> like kind of wild there aren't that many christmas shows that have been going longer like there's nutcracker the spirit of christmas i suppose kransky sisters but they took a big Mm. break at some point christmas Um,
0: actually has been going for a little while as well i saw it here last year yeah i
1: think that this year is their fifth year doing it so that's been like quite healthy as well Mm -hmm. um but yeah like i mean i know for some people it definitely is their christmas tradition (laughs) For me it is. For me, yes. uh, working through my birthday and Christmas, that is my Christmas tradition.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's always like that when your birthday is towards the end of the year, your, yes. your birthday present kind of gets mixed in oh with your gosh. Christmas present and end of year parties, etc, etc. Now a lot of the performers were just wonderful. They were really professional, all very strong in every area of comedy, dance, singing. Mm-hmm. Now what is that audition process like and how long do they actually have to rehearse?
1: Um, I mean, we're very lucky, because I suppose in our first year, the first year we did the show, we didn't really know what we were doing, and we kind of just reached out to 10 people um, who we all thought were amazing performers, and we put the show on, and the show was a bit shit, (laughs) and we learnt lots, um, and you know, half the cast who are in it now, almost half the cast, three of them have been in it since day one. You know, we had someone else do it four years, but he's busy this year. You know, Kate has been in it for two years now. Shay, I think this is his third year. So, audition-wise, we don't... We actually try and, like, procure talent. Like, we always do auditions, but quite often it's... We kind of seek people out, and we find them, yeah.
0: That's no, really interesting how you... um Once you have a person that you know knows the show and is growing with the show, it makes sense to keep them on the show because they know what your like your vision is. Yeah. And they will work with you as well. And I think it's really important that when you have artists in a show that have done it for so long that they also corroborate and collaborate with you.
1: And that's the thing, like their show is very uh, like when it's created, it's very created with the actors in mind and knowing what their skill sets are and like I know that when we come in, for example, Steve, who who is our Santa and Emily, like they will, like, you know, we can give them an idea and they'll take it and run it and make it their own. Mm. Um, And there's a lot that can be said for that, like performers who know the structure, know how the show works, they make it their own, like it's, yeah...
0: And they're obviously not shy with any of the content. Not um, anymore. Not some anymore. of those tricks I found very impressive <laughs> and I don't know how they don't have a huge fright every time they go up on stage because I would be um, very, very scared yeah. to do some of the maneuvers, but they were very impressive. Yeah. Now as we touched on the show has no shortage of um adult content with christmas send-ups and have you ever like worried that someone may accidentally bring their kids along or someone may really be offended by the content
1: (laughs) um people have definitely been offended by the content before there's no doubt about that no one has ever brought their kids like we make it very clear and we've always told box office it's 18 plus so if anyone turns up who's a child don't let them inside (laughs) um But, like, yeah, I think inherently with comedy there's always going to be... Like, there's a different line for everyone and what is a line... What's across the line for one person isn't necessarily the same as someone else. Um, And we've... I suppose over the years we've been learning what that is and finding what that balance is and, you know, do you cross that line for some people in certain numbers and what things are okay to talk about, what things aren't okay to talk and joke about. And I think that's comedy. It's... It, it's reading a room and adjusting when you make mistakes and, like, you know, I won't say what this joke was, but I remember in year two we had this joke and we, we like, in the room we thought it was hilarious and then, the fir- like, the first show we did it and it just f- went down so badly and we're like, oh, okay, that wasn't, that was actually too far, so let's rewrite it mm. and we just rewrote it and we just changed it and, um, you know, there's always stuff like that. I think it's just being aware and adaptable and willing to change and grow yeah
0: and that's what makes yourself and the company so successful if you take on those like criticisms and see where you've gone wrong then you know what to fix and to make better and some people just don't learn from their mistakes they just don't yeah now what would you say is your favorite part of the show
1: In a semi-abstract sense, it's my favorite part is probably when we get the first big laugh from the audience. Whenever that comes, like it doesn't—it's not necessarily a moment in the show, but like I spend a lot of time instead of watching the show, I watch the audience and, okay. and see kind of what their reaction is. And my favorite part is when I have this like feeling of going, "Oh, great, we've got them on side. Like they're ready. They're they're here to, They're going to be a good audience, and they're going to have fun." and We've won them over. And that can fall in different places. And you can also lose it. Like, you know, you can lose it halfway through the show and have to get it back. But I like that. Mm. Yeah. I get a lot of joy out of seeing the... The cast went over the crowd
0: well it's it's your work so you feel very attached to it and you know there was that old meme a few years ago from x factor where the guy kind of did this like big open mouth face have you ever seen that in the audience yeah
1: Yeah. yes my god every night like there's always (laughs) someone who's like jaw dropped wide open mouth or just like spits out a drink or something (laughs) hilarious like yeah, it happens. And I love that. Like, you know, one great thing about producing shows is when... it's it, Being producer is interesting because, like, if everything's great, no one you don't really get blamed. Uh, but you also don't really get a lot of thanks. Um, but, you know, I've learnt to take that on so that when I watch and I see the audience having a good time, like... If it wasn't for me doing the job I'm doing that wouldn't be happening Mm. Um,
0: yeah no it's like that I think a lot of producing work and also journalism work I was reminded by a really um, well-known journalist here in Brisbane that whenever you're doing journalism it's not about you it's about the story and the person that you're covering so it would be the same for you but I understand like you want to be recognized for your work but you still get that joy out of watching how people React to it, and I did actually notice around me that there were glasses breaking. Yeah. I don't know if people were like having a really big laugh and then just went kick, kick, but God. it was it was always like the right moment too, always like a really funny moment. Yeah, just like smash. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever seen the, the staff? You have to pick up quite
1: a few of yeah, those. Yeah, I have. I have. I've seen. I've seen some things. But nothing crazy. Like, you know, I remember when we used to be at the powerhouse, uh, the the busy stage downstairs, like, because it was, the way it was set, the front row was below the stage and they would use the stage sometimes to put their drinks on (laughs) and it was just, like, a recipe for disaster. Like, if it's dark and you don't realise, like, yeah, that was interesting. But no, like, our audiences are are quite surprised. For an audience who doesn't come to a lot of theatre, they're, they're quite good. They're really great.
0: That's really important. And yeah. as a performer yourself, yeah. um, have you ever felt the need or want, you know, to get up on that stage and to show yourself? No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I um, like I think <sighs> I, I kind of told myself that I, I'm fine not performing a couple of years ago. I came to realise that if you're performing, say say there's like a watch, like a, a classic old school watch. If you're a performer on the stage, you might be a piece in the watch, or you're like you're multiple pieces in that watch. Whereas when you're the producer, you're the watchmaker mm-hmm. and you like put the pieces together to run harmoniously. And kind of the joy that I got out of performing, I get about eighty percent of that. While producing but I also get this whole other thing that I don't get when I'm just performing okay yeah included plus I also get a whole bunch of stress and <laughs> financial <laughs> risk and debt <laughs> Oh dear.
0: now as a producer uh-huh. you have a lot more responsibility behind the scenes for much longer than the actors do because uh-huh. it's, it's your production uh-huh. so how many months of planning do you actually have before it takes the stage
1: we generally start convos, like we'll do a debrief after the show this year and we kind of discuss, oh, what ideas did we come up with during the season that we can put into next year's show, like what new stuff. And then we'll meet up kind of four or five months before rehearsals start and just spitball. We go back, we watch all rewatch all our old archivals of the show, see what stuff worked, what didn't. We have formulas we roughly follow, like even though we don't have a storyline. We know what aspects and what marks the show has to hit for it to be a successful show. In this, as for Christmas at least, we we only rehearse for about two two and a half weeks. Wow! So we put it together really quickly, um, but we know what we're doing now. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: You're professionals. You're and performers are
1: very hardworking. Like you know, they get down and dirty and they get it done. So
0: yeah that's for sure yeah. no pun intended yeah. um, and I can definitely vouch for the show it was wonderful yeah. loved every minute my friend who I brought along is also an actor and he was part of the audience participation <laughs> he lived it up he was the donkey in the fable and lastly where can one purchase tickets are there any tickets left
1: yes there are if you go to www.averynaughtychristmas.com all the links are on there so, or just google A Very Naughty Christmas go to our website buy tickets there. Um, Yeah, best availability is weeknights.
0: So yeah. Yeah, perfect. Hopefully you'll have a chance to come along and see the show. But don't bring your kids. No, don't. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to this Christmas special episode of the Daily Red podcast with Bianca Wiley. If you want to hear more content like this, you can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, PodServe, LinkedIn, Twitter and TikTok. And we'll be with you again soon. Bye.